<laughs> I want you. Okay, hold on. I want you to imagine you've opened your fortune cookie. Fill your cake stand with art, house with dirt, and your birthday cards with hair. It's the new Bible. There. Know the system you're messing with before you mess with it. Know the system you're messing with before. You... Yes. That's it. Check. Done. That was the fastest one yet. Is it worth the wait? And welcome to Agreement with me, Catherine. And me, Michelle. And Agreement every... is our podcast. Every... Yeah, every. Well, <laughs> we were talking so good. <laughs> <laughs> Agreement is our podcast where every fortnight we bring you three things. What are those things? They're a weird thing and a pop a... culture thing and a research thing. <laughs> We did it. We, we then made we it. take those three things and we try to make sense of them and give you a little takeaway message. Which we call a fortune cookie to take away and think about. Um, I was just about to say to Catherine, but then I was like, no, nah, I'll save it for after we start recording. This is our 49th episode. And we have for several episodes been saying, oh, we got to do something big for 50. Um, yeah. And I don't know that either of us are in a position in our lives right now to plan something big. <laughs> so... I have brought you my low energy, not very well prepared podcast this week so that 50 will look yes. better by comparison. So you're welcome. You're welcome for my my foresight here. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's funny though. We were texting back and forth before we started and we both, that is both, that's the energy we're both bringing to this. Cause you were like, I don't my research thing is hot garbage. You're like, so is mine. And I'm like, and for the first time ever, I don't want to make it better. Yeah. We had more time to work on it. I'm like, I'm not taking that time. I'm just, I just so. could feel that it wasn't gonna, that the energy that I was putting in wasn't going to result in a better enough product to justify yes. it. So yes. <laughs> um, if this is for some reason, if episode 49 is where you're starting, maybe like pause here and go listen to some past episodes instead. Well, no, start here because it would so, only move up. It will only get it better. It only They'll goes up from this back. episode. This is going to be Michelle and I with a, a least on. This is, the low, this is the low bar. Lowest effort. And then 50 is going to be like, whoa. Call some in and tell messages. us what your favorite so. um. Yeah. fortune cookie has been we'd love that how much we've changed your life how, how you better named your, your children after is. us yeah um little angryment harrison jr the third oh you've been Catherine and michelle okay not <laughs> angryment <laughs> 
and Gree Mint. All the ants <laughs> in the world were named for us. <laughs> so, episode 49, I go first. thing first off i do want to start with like a nice thing that i keep forgetting to say this happened like a month maybe two months ago i don't know but i don't know why i keep it's on my list of things and i keep maybe i just haven't felt like saying nice things i don't know but if anyone recalls which i don't expect you to on episode 23 so 26 episodes ago i mentioned an artist named richard bell who i think think I talked about him because he had made his own exhibition for the Venice Biennale where he like um rented a boat and rode it around in Venice and um he's just an artist I love he is one of my favorite artists of all time his work is so smart and so funny and I really really just love his work and if you had to say like who are the artists that you might truly get starstruck around Richard Bell is one and Richard Bell does happen to live in Australia and I'm in Australia now I'm at a fairly new university job at the University of Queensland and I got invited to the University of Queensland gallery opening and it was great the gallery there is amazing And they had a really, really nice free wine, great food opening. And they had performances. It was a wonderful evening. And at some point during the evening, I look over my spouse's shoulder and there is Richard Bell. And I just, oh, it was so cool. And I talked to someone like, yeah, he comes to, he comes to all these things. He's just around. And I got really weird. And the person next to me is like, are you okay? I'm like, oh my God, he's Richard Bell. They're like, go talk to him. And I was like, no, no, absolutely. I will not. And yeah, I probably should have, but I didn't. I just stared at Richard Bell all evening and that was enough for me. So that's just a nice thing that happened. I was starstruck by Richard Bell at my job. Awesome. Plain in my mind is the the scene where Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec gets to meet, uh, is it Biden? Did she meet Biden? Yeah. Yeah. Biden. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm imagining you as Leslie yeah. Nope, just like unable to speak or coherently yes. make. Yes, yeah. it was. I just, and the person next to me who I don't even know very well just knew my whole affect change. They're like, are you okay? <laughs> They're like, you kind of had a fainting goat look come over you. <laughs> so yeah, Richard Bell, episode 23. If you want to go back and listen, I looked up where I talked about him. But my weird thing is that I have been hearing the Macarena everywhere for months and months and months and michelle just did a like double thing like what see why are you time traveling i don't know the macarena it is following me and haunting me and i can't yep michelle's doing the dance you gotta do the dance i don't remember what comes after that part oh head 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 yeah head head hips hips butt butt podcasting is a visual medium so Basically, um, this has been happening for a long time, months and months and months. I watched the movie Inside, not to be confused with Bo Burnham's Inside, which is good, but it's a movie that came out in 2023 and stars Willem Dafoe. It is a great movie. I loved it. 
I love Willem Dafoe and it's basically just a movie where it's nobody but Willem Dafoe for the whole movie which is so good it's a very the movie has a very 70s feeling it doesn't feel like a movie that gets made very much today if at all and that was really nice it does a lot with like contemporary art which I really liked and um it's just an excellent movie but the Macarena plays very prominently in that movie so that's kind of where it started where I noticed it then I went to a baseball game and to other sporting events where like that kind of makes sense I guess it still is like are we time traveling and it got played it has been as of a few months ago kind of popular on TikTok and that will if you if it gets into your algorithm on TikTok or somewhere else you'll hear it a lot and I think that was part of it but then and I've been going in Britain. They have really nice, you know, the River Green space. And um, they have free concerts there on Sundays sometimes. And so you can go bring a little picnic, have a bottle of wine, and watch these bands play. And at three different concerts now, the band is not playing the Macarena. They don't play the Macarena. But I see young children doing the Macarena dance that Michelle just demonstrated for you all. To You're welcome. music. So the Macarena dance and the Macarena are living on. And I'm just kind of like, who are teaching these children the Macarena dance? Well, you said well there's done. a TikTok trend. Is that, do they do the dance in the TikTok but trend? They don't do the dance. Okay. It's, it's just, just like the, the song and people are like mouthing the lyrics. So I don't know. Maybe the only, the only thing I could figure out is like, the song first came out in 1993, which would make it 30 years old. 93? Now. 93. But don't worry. Don't worry. That might make you feel very old. I can make it slightly better. Just slightly better, which is that was the original okay. version. Oh, but like, because um, I remember like doing that dance in middle school and I was not in middle school in 93. Right. It's Los Del Rio, who is the group that does it. They did a version, but then. That was remixed and remixed and remixed several times. And then the Bayside Boys did an English language version. And that's the version we all know and love. That came out in 1995. And then the dance really popularized it in 97. Like 96. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember it in 90, like seven. 97 would be the yeah. year that I, yeah. So like four years after. So now, so like 26 years, really. Which does feel a lot different than 30 yeah. years. yeah. Um, so yeah, basically the Macarena is haunting me. That's weird. And I tried to figure out why. I don't know why the kids are down with it. Um, but I did find the very, uh, scientific sounding pudding, the pudding did a study. It is actually a very cool study and they have really cool charts. I'll link it in the show notes, interactive charts and graphs. It's well done about what songs are most recognizable to millennials and to Gen Z? And I kind of aggregated that in an order, 90 songs specifically, to kind of try to see like what songs are most likely to be recognized by future generations from the 90s. And the Macarena was number eight. Okay. So it's, so still, it's got some, it's Gen Z knows the Macarena. If you are interested, do you want to guess that what any of the top five and what this was, was like most recognizable by both millennials and, and so it had the, the cross appeal. Man, yeah. What would be, I mean, you would think that anything that's recognizable by Gen Z from the nineties would also be 
recognizable to millennials right. because how else would it have yeah. gotten there, right? Um, exactly. When did Sir Mix-a-Lot's uh, Baby Got Back, when when did that come out? That feels like, that Ooh, was that know. 90s or was that late 80s? Feels like early 90s. Is that on there? Let me look that up. It's not in the top five. I have the top five. And okay. everyone, I'll put it in the show notes. You should go to pudding. Because it's just, it looks great. I love a, I love a well-done graph Oof. and an interactive graph. Oof. Even better. But not in the top five. I only, okay. for my notes, have the top five. I don't know. This is hard. Fly by Sugar Ray, maybe? That's That was everywhere at some point. 1992 was Baby Got Back by okay. Sir Mix-a-Lot. So that would be eligible. Oh, man. Fly. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Gen Z would know Fly. Okay. Okay, I'll put you out of your misery. Yes, so the I'm top not, five, not good at this game. Macarena's number eight. But the top five from five to one in descending order is, ironically, number five is Mambo number five. And then All-Star. R.I.P. a lead singer of, okay, of uh, yeah. Smash Mouth, um, which is funny to me because All Star, uh, All Star by Smash Mouth, for some reason, here's my deep dark secret: every playlist I make, if you go look at my Spotify, which is unfortunately public, pretty much every playlist has All Star. Really, I would not have guessed that. I feel like I know your musical taste really well, but that, yeah, okay. Um, Oh, I love that song. Number three is Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Oh, that makes, yeah. Number two is Baby One More Time. Mm. And number one oh. is My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. <laughs> it's just going to go on and on forever. <laughs> it will go on and on. And, and on. on. One of and the on. best pieces of writing, of just, not just music criticism, but any sort of art criticism ever is about that celine dion song and i can't remember who wrote it i don't know anyway so hey guys editing Catherine here and because i love that piece of writing so much i wanted to come in and tell you that is by carl wilson and it's called let's talk about love a journey to the end of taste those there are songs interestingly enough um that are generational markers which are approaching zero recognition by gen z and the ones that are most like that, that are most recognized by millennials and least recognized by Gen Z are Casey and JoJo's All My Life, which like mm. every slow song yeah. dance. Yep. So you do the stiff arms. And I actually am kind of, um, I don't think I'm sad to say, but the other one was Jules, You Were Meant For Me. I, I can't think of that song. Oh, you know that song. Okay, I'll go listen to it. I'm not going gonna... like, to I'm not going to sing it for you, but, but you okay. know that song. You know that song. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the only Jewel song I know that I can think of is Intuition, but that's probably what's blocking me, is that that just gets in my head. So mm-hmm. basically, I do think we need like, maybe we need like a checking in with the youth segment. The youths are dancing to the Macarena with their feet covered up. Here are the songs they know. No, we need- no free dogs. <laughs> No free dogs. Every time I see feet now, I just want to send you. But then that's creepy. I want to take a picture of feet and send them <laughs> to you. Then you would be justifying their fears. <laughs> Man, I, I thought I could just Not have just... free dogs. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, <laughs> we need like a gen, a gen alpha touchstone. That's another like weird pop culture thing I almost wanted to do. That like 
everyone's like gen alpha which is like anyone born i think after 2010 um they're like gen alpha has made their first meme and now gen z knows that they will die someday (laughs) (laughs) so i guess my i guess my daughter is gen alpha because she was born in 2010 so she can she ever wants to like be a reporter she can be like a do you remember like wonder shows in the beat kids no do you know either of those things no oh, man oh i have no wonder reference Shosen. point for this that's the thing wonder shows in was like a mtv2 show it was a parody of sesame street basically and it did have some very good clips and one of the clips and if i can find it i'll just play the sound for everyone but it was called Beat Kids. And it was like, kids, kids on, on the street, beat. kids, kids on, on the beat, beat, beat kids. kids. Beat Kids! Hi, I'm Tamara. I'm asking people, who did you explore today on Wall Street? Excuse me, can I ask you a question? Who did you exploit today? Who did I exploit? I didn't exploit anybody. Why would I exploit somebody? Who did you exploit today? Who did I exploit? Hmm. I don't think I did yet. But are you? Um... Yeah, probably sometime today. Excuse me, can I ask you a question? Exploit today? Nah, I didn't really get a good chance to exploit anyone. Who did I exploit today? (laughs) I'm not sure I exploited anyone today. Citizens, rise up! Rise up! Wanna go fight the power with me later? Fight the power with you later? (laughs) The power, we fight. All right, rock on. When did you sell your conscience? Oh. You can't run away from a child. You gotta go to work. So? Your money doesn't make you better than me. Can you justify capitalism in three words or less? Can I justify it? Burn Wall Street! Burn! Burn! Burn Wall Street! When the revolution comes, where will you hide? Under my bed. Under my bed. You disgust me. Profits before people. Wait a minute, isn't that backwards? Shouldn't it be people before profits? <laughs> you need this to wipe your hands, you got blood on it. Do you need a napkin to wash off the blood on your hands? No, I don't. Thank you. Bye. What does an oppressed sound so, um, um, sound like? An oppressed like? person sound like? It sounds like the... <laughs> this is Tamara reporting for Dream Kids. Ching ching. Anyway. Macarena. Macarena. Oh. Is it haunting you? Also, yes. it's haunting me. Also, the other thing is, because I can't hear the Macarena. I want to know if this is the case for you. I cannot listen to the Macarena without singing the first line in my head as the Cardinals are in first and they're going to win the pennant. <laughs> Yep, yep, I got you there. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that brought something deep out. There was a pause and then a moment of understanding. A reflection of the past, yes. Yeah. Yes, and just just to anyone else who may or may not get that, um, that like 97, 98, we're not a fever dream entirely that um, if you were in St. Louis, there was um, the Cardinals were doing very well. Tony Unlike La now. Russa. Unlike now, geez. <laughs> Tony La Russa was the head coach, and there was a parody of the Macarena called the Tony La Russa. And it was Cardinals are in first, and they're going to win the pennant. Tony's the guy who's going to help him get it. The birds are in first, and they're going to win the pennant. Tony is the guy that is going to help him win it. He squeezes out the wins like an automatic juicer. Tony!
And I remember they would play that like at school and on yeah. the radio all the time. So we were being everywhere. indoctrinated. <laughs> yep. Like a so. religious experience, the Cardinals, if you live My within a hundred yeah. mile radius of St. Louis. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Okay. That was, whew. okay. My weird thing is the Macarena is haunting me. My weird thing is that it's also from the nineties. Um, did you know that in 1991, NASA blasted a Columbia space shuttle up into space, as you do, since it's a space shuttle, and um, sent it full of jellyfish. That is multiple. So they. <laughs> Are you okay? There were a lot of things I was anticipating to come out of your mouth. <laughs> We've talked about NASA blowing up the moon on this podcast. <laughs> you were not ready for jellyfish. <laughs> Sorry. I go I've broken, I've broken Catherine. Bye. There was too much Macarena <laughs> in her life followed by jellyfish. She's just gone now. Sorry, everybody. You're just going to have to listen to me. Um, so- I'm, back, I'm back. I'm sorry. Okay. So once upon a time, NASA shot jellyfish <laughs> into space. Yes. Okay. Um, Continue. And- I'm going to, I'm going to mute myself first. <laughs> truly broken Catherine. <laughs> and um so they sent them into space particularly to study how humans might adapt to having lived on to my understanding to having lived in space and then being brought to earth if they were like because they wanted to see how jellyfish babies that had always lived in space would handle coming to earth and they're I, I don't know if this was a direct quote or if this was somebody's no no I think this was a direct quote from one of the the research like research reports on it the jellyfish that have returned are the offspring of the ones that were originally went up there and they quote hate life on earth (laughs) of course they do um but the reason that they were doing this and the reason that they say that they hate life on earth is because jellyfish have calcium sulfate crystals that ring the bottom of their bodies and those crystals are housed in pockets that have hair cells and when the jellyfish moves the crystal rolls around and that um, helps them differentiate up from down it works very similarly to the way that humans figure out up from down which is that we have in our ears calcium crystals that move with sensitive hair cells that tell the brain which way gravity is pulling us so uh, the little jellyfish babies when they were brought from space back to earth they were like experiencing very extreme vertigo because the their experience of what was up and down their whole lives had been messed up and so they quote hate life on earth afterwards but i also like i originally saw this i went and what i read from you was from like an actual article but um i originally saw this as like a a tumblr thread and people in the comments were like did they I just was imagining them just like slingshotting jellyfish out into space. And they were, and like the (laughs) thing was like, um, there were at one point 16,000 jelly or 60,000 jellyfish orbiting the earth. And they were like, I just imagined them just like floating free form in space that we had just thrown them up there and they were just forever floating around. I'm sure they're in like tanks on a ship, not, you know, just. Yeah. But. Lost it to the his imagination <laughs> wants to think otherwise but yeah so that's that's my word thing nasa sent jellyfish to space oh sorry that was I really short it. no but 
it's everything it's everything <laughs> i talked to zona and macarena for too long and then you bring that succinct beautiful <laughs> gorgeous what a contrast wow okay no comment just perfect i do like to think how we're gonna fit together macarena and jellyfish in space yeah yeah we're that's only two okay. things we're already at a challenge all right yes so we're gonna have to really wrestle with that <gasps> segue to pop culture pop culture Um, I could have sworn I've already talked and talked and talked and talked about this. I did go through show notes and there was, weren't any direct references to this. And I then made an executive decision, as Michelle and I have said, we're kind of functioning at a at a lesser rate this week. So if Falling I have to in a this, little bit. I didn't care. And it's not because I didn't want to think of something new. It's because I wanted to talk about this so much. So I may have talked about it before, but I do not care and so so don't um, come at her yes don't come she knows <laughs> everyone who i say who's just building the canon of our podcast um basically for a, vi- for a variety of reasons that michelle and i've already talked about and i will not go into here i have spent a lot of time alone this week and i am feeling sad about it but everything was turned around last night when sitting at home looking at an Australian streaming platform that I have downloaded because we've talked about this on the podcast before about how many millions and billions of streaming things there are and now I have to contend with like who gets rights within Australia to various things but if you ever move to Australia you should immediately pay for binge binge is great um it has a lot of it, it, all the HBO Max stuff it has in real time which is oh, cool. awesome. Yes. But what it actually, the real magic I learned last night is that it has a huge archive of wrestling content. This is and just such a 90s throwback episode without it really is. <laughs> That's what it is without <laughs> intending to. And I did, like Michelle and I, and I think I've talked about this before. At least I know I've talked about this with you, Michelle. We are both back in like 90s early aughts we were wrestling fans um and there were a lot of people it was almost by default because like that's what i was about to say there are people <laughs> around us that loved wrestling and we had to watch them wrestle and watch wrestling <laughs> so we just we just gave in right you're like oh yeah when in rome it was like our small town version of um young girls who like watch boys skateboard almost. yeah but yeah us it was wrestling because there were no there was no pavement so we couldn't watch the yep. boys skateboard we watched them throw each other into thumbtacks into broken coolers full of thumbtacks yes. yep <laughs> we also went to some professional we went to a professional wrestling event that i got in a lot of trouble for but yeah it, and it really it really wasn't our fault wasn't our grown women now and we're we have no reason to lie to you and we will still tell you we were not doing anything wrong nothing wrong we just wanted to see wrestling so (laughs) um so we might have been watching it by default then but something has happened maybe it is your nostalgia i know but something's happened wrestling is in general my pop culture thinks that wrestling is in the air and it started kind of january of this year new york times magazine did a profile of a wrestler 
called um, Danhausen early this sometime this spring. I was in living in Durham, North Carolina, and there was um, the Urban Combat Wrestling League. Oh, yeah, yeah, you told at me about it. liked had a show and I went and it was just the best. Oh, it was the best. Um it was it was such a great event to go to. It was just so fun. It was very well done. And it's just so much fun to go and yell and scream at a wrestling event at a brewery. And anyway, so last night I found all this archival content of like wrestling pay-per-views and events and from like 1998 through 2002 and I was in heaven. I was just in heaven watching this alone in my house last night. There was a whole breakdown. <laughs> um, and it is a very 90s throwback show. I was sending some like photos to my spouse and there was a guy's like, wow, that guy looks like an anime character. And I was like, well, in like 1999, anime wasn't super, 2000, wasn't super in US pop culture to where I think wrestlers would be doing anime. And it was actually, I was like, I think he's more like, the lead singer of prodigy but it was funny <laughs> how those things overlapped and what a wrestler could look like um and then there was just a whole bit where <laughs> one of the wrestlers threw the other wrestler out of the ring and before that wrestler like got back up the wrestler looks around at the audience and goes like shh, shh, shh. and it was just a skit from they were basically like um civil war reenactors they were looney tunes reenactors where they're very <laughs> serious about it and he just kind of goes everybody shh, shh. And then he drops down to play dead. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, he's playing possum. And the other guy goes to hurt him. And he's like, no, I'm not dead. And it's just Looney Tunes. It's just grown men and Hispanics being Looney Tunes characters. And there is very little, little better than that if you're sad. Um, so I just, yeah, wrestling's in the air. And I'm happy about it. And I woke up this morning after watching wrestling all evening. But I guess the algorithm heard me watching and cheering wrestling and now this was like in my corner of the internet that netflix just like last week debuted a show a documentary called wrestlers and for research because i am a professional professional what i don't know i'm trying to figure that out right professional now, something though leave, leave me alone i watched an episode of the wrestler show i have to preface this by saying i am growing a bit weary of Netflix's documentary style. And they're running all these disparate, very disparate topics about very different people through that formula, that same emotional filter, that same narrative arc. And I think that does a disservice to the various groups they're looking at, which do deserve the time and attention and are interesting groups, but it's just hitting the same beats and it's starting to get kind they're of just old. And plug and play should. at this point. Yeah, they should maybe give them more time and attention, but it's good. From what I watched, um, it focuses on the Ohio, some independent Ohio wrestling group. And that's where like Batista and John Cena and The Miz all came from, if you care. So. Um, and you should care. You should care. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I basically, I think everyone should go watch old wrestling videos there was, you know, Donald Trump was like, yeah. did wrestling. He he was in a wrestling yeah. match with Vince McMahon where the loser had to get his head shaved. It's yeah. one of the wildest things you can watch in the world. Donald Trump shaves Vince McMahon's head 
as Vince McMahon yells, I'm so humiliated. I'm, I'm so, so humiliated. humiliated. It's so weird. Anyway, I also like, have visual no. aids that I brought. Oh, look at the Yes, we are doing a great job with me doing the Macarena yes. and Catherine's wrestling visual aids. Who are, who are these wrestling wrestlers? Toys. Um, you know? I don't. This is Andre the Giant. Uh, okay, these are yes. vintage plastic yes. wrestling toys. And this is some USSR wrestler. Okay. I don't know. The best part of these toys I got at a flea market, they're from 1984, is that the paint is rubbed off on their butts, where you can tell the little boys are holding, <laughs> holding them like this. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> they just have butts, little, little, butts. little butts marked like they're wearing chaps. That's um, so cute. Anyway, <laughs> I just, I love wrestling. Um, and so I'm going to end my pop culture in general with the lovely words of uh, Roland Bart. I, I, I'm going to say, anyone, my recommendation is if you can find a small indie league near you, go do that. Like, doing it live is so good. And if you can't do that, go watch the Netflix documentary. Um, but don't take my word for it. Here's what Roland Bart, the uh, French semiotician theorist, says in his uh, essay on wrestling in his book, Mythologies. He says, quote, there are people who think that wrestling is an ignoble sport. Wrestling is not a sport. It is a spectacle. And it is no more ignoble to attend a wrestling performance of suffering than a performance of the sorrows of Arnulfi or Andromaca. Of course, there exists a false wrestling in which the participants unnecessarily go to great lengths to make a show of a fair fight. This is of no interest. <laughs> True wrestling, wrongly called amateur wrestling, is performed in second-rate halls where the public spontaneously attunes itself to the spectacular nature of the contest, like the audience at a suburban cinema. Then, these same people wax indignant because wrestling is a stage-managed sport, which ought, by the way, to mitigate its ignominy. The public is completely uninterested in knowing whether the contest is rigged or not, and rightly so. It abandons itself to the primary virtue of the spectacle, which is to abolish all motives and all consequences. What matters is not what it thinks, but what it sees. I love that. It made me think about, though, like, because I'm, there are wrestlers, like, people who wrestle and like on like I'm thinking of like high school teams that take it right. very seriously and it is a challenging sport or like the wrestling of you know ancient Greek sports where it was one of the greatest ways to show your strengths also yeah. I just started watching a kunk on earth and so have you seen kunk on earth no <laughs> you, you would down. very okay. much enjoy it it is um it's on Netflix it's like a it's a mockumentary, almost kind of like Borat style, but much more deadpan. Like just so there's a woman whose name is Philomena Kunk, and she's just like you know, like David Attenborough style, telling you the history of the world, kind of. But she's interviewing. I don't know if they're real professionals who have been like told they're coming forward to share their knowledge and this interview is actually i mean you've seen those like the daily show interviews where they have somebody who you know is really there to talk about the actual topic and they're being asked ridiculous questions so it's that but with really great deadpan delivery and so one of the questions when they got to ancient ancient greek she was like okay but so they would wrestle naked 
and like yes they would they would do it nude because of, and they were like explaining like because of the beauty of the physique and the clothing at the time wasn't we didn't have the technology to show and she's like but like it was naked so you could just see like right up an arsehole right and, <laughs> <laughs> and this this profession is like i I I guess yes that could happen like <laughs> theoretically she's like couldn't they do like like a patch or something for the audience like people don't <laughs> people don't want to see that um so but anyway all that to say I was thinking about as you were talking as you were reading that quote which I I think one hundred percent um. You know, I, I never would have been a wrestling fan had it not been for the people we were around who were very into wrestling and we were just kind of sucked up into the orbit. But I was genuinely interested in it by the time that we like went and watched it live. And it was for the spectacle. Like, I, I mean, I was under no impression that this was a fair fight or that, you know, these people were actually fighting at all. Um, But the, the like the, the performance of these like hyper stereotypical identities and it, it is like Looney Tunes and it was yeah. it was really fun to watch but it makes me think about um roller derby how ro roller derby was so spectacle focused yeah. but then there was a huge effort i mean not that long ago to make it more serious and there was a battle within the community like even the, really? the players themselves some, some of them were like i don't want to like have to like some of them were like we need to wear you know uniforms we need to wear like leggings and um tank top you know like athletic wear because this is an athletic sport and other people are like I don't want to give up like my fishnets and you know ridiculous yeah. over-the-top outfits and I think that both perspectives were really valid I think they were just there for different reasons I think they were doing different things um and so yeah. I'm just interested in kind of the the tension between sport as spectacle and athletic displays in sports there is something yeah the the roller derby thing is so interesting it's such a perfect comparison because they both take so much right they are both they take so much physical well and roller derby athleticism roller derby in yeah. its first heyday when it was on like the elevated tracks not like the wifta roller derby of today which um the st louis roller derby team not the one that i used to play on but the um the big one in st louis i think is currently number two in the world so just wow. shout out to yeah yeah, yeah. um so but w when it was first i think was it in the 30s and 40s when roller derby was first popularized and they had like the the raised track that was like um and, and it it was like pro wrestling right like they they would have somebody like really take a big hit and there was an announcer that would like i mean some of it was scripted and people were there for the spectacle more than the like athleticism or the, you know, who's going to win side of it. And um, a lot of the people, especially the women in roller derby were fighting really hard to be taken seriously when it kind of saw its resurgence in the late nineties and early aughts to be like, no, we are, we are, this is a sport. This is athletic. This is, yeah. and, and you saw a lot of changes in the, in the way the game was played and in the regulations to make it more serious. And so I don't know. It's just an interesting. Comp the, like yeah, the wrestling, right? So much of that is we liked watching it when we were little too, because it's there's soap opera elements. Yeah, right? there is absolutely. a narrative arc. There is a These lot of people are in a rivalry. These this one backstabbed this one. You yeah. know, like yeah. There's that and the and athleticism and you're creating characters and roller derby. 
doesn't have that narrative, right? That would that would take away from it if you're like, this person hates this person. And it would be kind of like them pitting women against each other in a way I don't like that works in like wrestling narratives that I would hate in roller derby. But then the creation of the characters in roller derby of like, here's your derby name and here's what you put on. I just can't imagine roller derby without like derby names. That's such a part of it that you have that yeah, derby persona. Yeah, you have a persona. And I, I feel like, the teams have struck a pretty good balance that I think yeah. was hard to strike um, that they, they have like made themselves serious athletes, but still kept a lot of the quirkiness and um, absurdity and fun. Special. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it not women's hockey or something. Um, but then it makes me think I was just talking with a friend who just um, defended their dissertation successfully yay yay joss if you're listening to this congratulations dr marshall congratulations Um, i don't know you but i'm proud of you so i i talk about you all the time with them so (laughs) joss knows you um so basically um they have this like they're like i'm gonna go celebrate and they're near boston and they went to see a baseball game and we were talking about how on that end too, which like, yeah, baseball is a sport, whatever, but the kind of like drag of baseball, that's fun. Right. Where like the baseball players have their own little song when they walk out and we're just like, there's a lot of, it's just, we've talked about this too, with like the fantasy movie league, that there is a pomp and circumstance. There is stuff about sports that is fun to get into. Yeah. But if you don't like sports, what do you do? And uh, yeah, finding that in a wire baseball game still fun to actually go to in person. I do those pump up songs. I want to know, do they get to choose them? How do those get chosen? They're just so fun. It's so fun. Anyway, so that like sliding scale of like baseball, the drag of baseball with like the pump up songs and all that to roller derby personas all the way to wrestling. It's interesting. And uh, I did pull out one extra roll and bark quote just in case. And I think I can absolutely you can absolutely i think it's a little relevant then this is how the whole essay ends when the hero or the villain of the drama the man who was seen a few minutes earlier possessed by moral rage magnified into a sort of metaphysical sign leaves the wrestling hall impassive anonymous carrying a small suitcase and arm in arm with his wife no one can doubt that wrestling holds that power of transmutation, which is common to the spectacle and to religious worship. In the ring and even in the depths of their voluntary ignominy, wrestlers remain gods because they are, for a few moments, the key which opens nature, the pure gesture which separates good from evil and unveils the form of a justice which is at last intelligible. I think the comparison to religious experience is particularly apt because, I mean, you see what people will do for their sports icons and the the sporting yeah. teams that they support in terms of the way that they'll dress themselves up, the way that they'll, like... I, I'm thinking here of the Ted Lasso scene where... Um, when Danny Rojas is a uh, place from Mexico and he's like, we are enemies now. And like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just complete devotion, right? Like yeah. 
it, there and, are actual yeah. churches. Lionel Messi has a religion and a church. There's the Church of Lionel Messi. I'm obsessed with it. Anyway, but yeah, no, exactly. And all the little superstitions and things you do. Yeah. Anyway, I love that essay. I love wrestling. Remind me, I think Ted Lasso is going to come up in a second. Okay. Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso steered me. I, I steered myself wrong, but I'm going to blame Ted Lasso. Anyway, I'm done. That's I'm it. Wrestling. very curious about where that's going to. Okay. All right. <laughs> It is my pop culture thing, and I, I know I know this is a visual medium, but I have to just show this to you because I, I will not adequately explain it. So sorry, everybody else. Um, I was on Facebook, like you are, and I saw an ad, like you constantly do, and it was for... Um, oh Stop my breaking gosh. me! This Stop is, breaking me! This is so weird. Um. Be- because I just made my screen small to show you this, I can see my Facebook Messenger behind this. And my friend, literally 20 minutes ago while we were talking, sent me the ad that I saw for the thing I'm talking about and said, What is happening to Facebook ads? Are they drunk? <laughs> so, so I'm not the only one seeing this ad. So, here, now I can read you the actual ad because she just sent it to me. For $4.99, we will mail your friends or family an invitation to a fake lamp sale and three small pigs. So that was the Facebook ad. And I was like, what? I was like, is this is this a joke? Is this spam? Is like, what is happening? So I did click on it and I found this um, and it's full of, so here is a postcard that has a picture of three lamps. Um, and a little, looks like, like the little rubbery, almost like eraser shaped, like shaped erasers that you would get as a kid in like the prize box in kindergarten or whatever, with what looks like a hand-drawn ink, like with you, if you took a big pen and drew a little lamp on it. So there's three pictures of lamps and a little pig with a lamp drawn on it and says one day only lamp sale. Is the pig crying? Um, I think that is an eyebrow. Okay. I think it's okay. an eyebrow over the eye of the pig. Okay. Not a teardrop under a small eye. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think I'm pretty sure. Um, one day only lamp sale. These lamps will move fast and the prices are great on the lamps. RSVP to the lamp sale and we can hold your place in line for buying lamps. And then in the corner, there is another, there's a picture of the pig, not the actual pig, which you do get if you send this, if they will get a real pig that said, hi, Taylor, this was sent to you, spelt Y-O-O-H, by, and then a name. Um, so you can send these to your friends, families, and enemies, um, and and they will, th- th- so you can fill out this thing for $4.99, who should the card say it is to, who should the card say it is from? And then you get to pick, you get three ham stamps, as they are called. Your options are like pumpkin, ghost, boo heart, black cat, eight bit heart. What is all right, all right, all right? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Show it to us. I think there's a place where you can see all the, oh, here we go. So here you can see all of them. Um, There's pumpkin. All right, all right, all right. It probably just says all right, all right, all right. I'm assuming. Yep. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Gasoline monkey. Gasoline. Okay, so that is okay. that is a special one. That is a special card. I did explore this a little bit more. So let me find the. Um, I I love that in this insane thing when you go over to the cards, there is there are all these categories, right? There's like 
all holidays, um, Halloween, and then there's one that's just called see, um, I'm sorry, nonsense. but we are we are ignoring that there is an, a holiday that no one is celebrating called Sweetest Day, which is October twenty first. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that is, but it's the sweetest <laughs> day. Sweetest Let's day. play a game and a nice hug. Watch TV shows. Happy, Happy sweetest, sweetest day. day. So much. So much. Okay, I'm going to celebrate sweetest day now. Um, but in in the in the midst of this obviously just ridiculous thing, there's a category called nonsense because the rest of these are obviously very serious. Oh, so very serious. you know, if you want a nonsense one, um, there is nonsense. What is with the spelling of you? <laughs> they are doubling down every time the word you appears. It is y o o h o o h. Yes. Yes, that is that is how you is spelled in this entire universe. Um, these are romance. Romance. Absolute. Oh my gosh, nonsense. the romance man and the romance women. I need immediately. Look at those two cats. Look at those two Photoshop cats at that's and the woman's feet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and so the refreshing I was... brownies. Brownies have never been described as refreshing. Oh, so this is the gasoline monkey. Um, Why is the gasoline monkey? They, they're it, acting like all of these things are things and none of these things are things. This is the gasoline more, monkey. More, 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 more gasoline, <laughs> says gasoline monkey. He wants your gasoline, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go away again. Bye. <laughs> broken Catherine again um I like the frequently asked questions um that says how did H ham start so this is where this gets interesting to me because I was like what oh is this, this is where it gets yeah interesting. yeah okay I was like wait what is this so it was a sixth grade entrepreneurial club project that I think was in like 2018 so I imagine this person is now like 17 and so they <laughs> They entered this into their, like, it was a contest within their school. And then if you won in the school, you got to go to, like, the district level. It's kind of like Shark Tank style. And so when the the sixth grader, and so for those of you who don't have kids and aren't doing the math for, like, age, this is, we're talking about, like, 11-year-olds. Like, these are, this is a young child, right? The sixth grader goes there and is presenting his idea but has already started actually doing it. So he was like, oh yeah, I've sent out like 10 packages of these. Here are my stats. Here's my data. And so like they were, they were very impressed with this. And so I was really, um, I read this article about it and he was like, well, I was very confused because the person who won the year before was back and competing against me, but he wasn't doing his project. Like he won the previous year. Why is he making a new plan? He should be doing the thing that he did if it was so good. He's like, I'm not competing yeah. next year because I'm still doing my project. <laughs> so um, this is this is the team. It <laughs> so the questions of, and answers are wild. One of the frequently asked questions is, is Hugh Jackman really in charge of your social media and emails and text? Yes, because <laughs> yes. This is how you spell yes. Y A I S. Yes. So this and it is, is we mentioned we mentioned Gen Alpha. This is Gen Alpha at work. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and it is and it is the same Hugh Jackman that was the greatest showman and also he was Wolverine. You have, you have to read again, I can't. <laughs> 
Please read it again. I'll read yes. the question. Okay. Is Hugh Jackman really in charge of your social media and emails and texts? Yes. Catherine, I can't keep a straight face when you're doing that. <laughs> Let me compose myself. I'm a serious professional. Yes. And it is the same Hugh Jackman that was the greatest showman. And also he was Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) And if you go to the team, um, this is Owen Shackleton, the president. H. Ham started as a project for Owen's Middle School Entrepreneur Club. He won his school Shark Tank contest and also went on to win third place at a regional competition. And then H. Ham's became a real company so much. So much. Uh, This is his stepdad who helps him. This is Joey, VP of Marketing, who takes all the photographies. You all can't see it because this is not a visual medium, but Joey's a dog. Um, Blue is the dog lawyer. It means he goes to And you court. might ask, is he a lawyer for dogs or is he a lawyer that is a dog? And it seems like he's both. It does. He is uh, always suing people. And then if someone sues us, he also goes to court. <laughs> um, then there are just a bunch of stock photographs. <laughs> Mary Mason head CFO. I, I have to read Mary's. I love Mary's the most. Mary has a poster of money dollars on her wall. And that is there because she likes keeping track of the company's money dollars so much. When she is not counting the age hams money dollars, Mary likes to exercise and she can bench press 245 pounds t- two times. Only the first time she has perfect form, but that is still so strong. So strong. What in the world? What in the world? <laughs> what in the world? Also, I should say there are no capitalizations, no punctuation. No, no punctuation. It's like an E.E. Cummings poem up in here. (laughs) Um, Janice from Human Resources. Nobody knows anything about her, but she's really good at her job, even with all of her secrets. And Hugh Jackman is the social media manager. Hugh is in charge of all of our social media. And that means he posts Joey's photographies on Instagram and the other places and writes the captions. Hugh's favorite role of his own was as Stanley in 2001's Swordfish. This is amazing. I love this. Um, and Liza Torres, customer service. Liza it's appears like to be twelve people. A group of twenty to thirty <laughs> different people who all come in on separate days, saying they are Liza and doing her job perfectly, and also remembering the other Liza, what other Liza said and did when they were here, and who knows what is happening. But people like our customer service a lot, so that is fine. Also, Janice says she is going to look into this, but she is off on one of her mysterious personal days again. <laughs> so, um, and it it appears that I mean this is not like a joke site. It you can buy this product. And they will send it out. They let you know that they cannot because <laughs> how do they how do they answer it? Um, shipping and returns. If you say, "What if I want to have it to arrive on an exact date?" We try our best, but this is very hard for us to accomplish successfully because of the post office and how they get grumpy sometimes. <laughs> so you can't get an exact date promise but you can send multiple purchases to different addresses with one form which i think is actually pretty sophisticated considering how terrible a lot yeah. of internet purchase and they do international shipping that's hard yeah. sometimes yeah yeah so um if you you need some cards and hams I guess I, I will say I have not yet because I only recently learned about the existence of this. So I have not actually purchased any myself to confirm that they are delivered. But I saw 
actual positive reviews and i believe in my heart that your cards and hands I have to. will get I have delivered to believe in this I need um, to believe in this. So agehams.com. This is the best thing. I love this so much. Michelle, you're like, oh, I'm at a lower level this week. You are bringing it. This is like my favorite <laughs> ever. I'll wait till you get to you my can, research. Oh, you gosh. can earn black points. You can earn black points. I didn't notice this. Where's that? Yeah, it's the green in the corner. Earn black points. Oh, earn black points. Okay. It's a we have program. a rewards program. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you get 50 blood points just for following on Instagram. Okay. It is your birthday so okay. much. Not okay. 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 It is your birthday okay. so much. So much. I'm worried that I'm going to start saying so much, so much and start. <laughs> what, just, what do you get just... with your blood points? You get one money dollar off for 50 blood points and free shipping for you. For 30 blood points. It's not bad. Yes. I want to sign up. Shell's going to sign up in real time. Yes. 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 So much. Yes. So much. Oh, no. This has. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have a slight pre-connection here. Uh, we have a lot of 90s throwbacks. And this is obviously. We've mentioned Gen Alpha. Which like I've only just learned about. Like people. People are way too into identifying generations and naming them. But technically. And you mentioned that your daughter would technically be gen alpha i'm thinking there's something about like that probably most millennials who have kids they're not gen z so much as they would be gen alpha then and there is something about the people who created like lolcats and stuff that i am like if they raise kids those kids but like the capitalism we live in now they'd be entrepreneurs but they're doing lolcat talk almost everything weird everything is just gonna like collide into <laughs> yeah because yeah. i find this very funny i find this whole i like this a lot more than like some of the i don't know gen z humor you see i don't know i don't know i find it very interesting and i love it so much and i'm going to explore that okay. and i cannot believe my friend literally messaged me during That's this podcast cool. that is that is i believe a coincidence worth five stars <laughs> five-star coincidence and got our finger on the pulse clearly mm. no we, I, I feel bad. like we brought you enough that you can yeah you know we can't be we can't be on our a-game for every category every week so Why? much yes so okay. much <laughs> so obnoxious <laughs> i read a really interesting article this week that was like i will not age gracefully and it wasn't about like looks or anything it was like i need to know what the kids are into and i will always care and i just like i'm not gonna try to copy it but i do like knowing i just want to know what they're up to yeah that's hilarious i think you have a lot more of that in you than me but i like watching you have it (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair fair enough um yeah so we should explain what we're doing you should can you be in that oh what are we doing (laughs) So for those of you who were listening, I don't know, like a month ago now, I don't know when we first talked about this. One of my pop culture things was the Vulture Movie Fantasy League. And as of listening to this, you can still participate because it closes on the 28th, which is coming up very soon. So if you would like to be in the Vulture Movie Fantasy League, you should draft your team. You get 100 imaginary dollars to spend on exactly eight movies. Which is something... 
I did not read up on. And I just thought I had a hundred dollars to spend and I was oh. going to go buy $51 movies. And yeah, my, I did not research this enough. So Eight. the movies are the, the cost is by like, you know, hype and the, so like, you know, the $1 movies are kind of weird indie films that a lot of people are not going to see. Um, whereas like a $50 movie is Oppenheimer. So, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta spend your budget wisely. Um, my husband, Ivan. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Ivan. Hey, what's up? Is, um, going to participate in a league with me and Catherine and her husband, Grant, who you've heard from before. And, um, so Ivan and I are going to draft our teams snake style live on the podcast right now, which means that one of us gets to do the first pick and then the next person gets two and three and the next person gets alternate like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is how it's going to go. So are you playing that you can't have the same so we cannot have the same movie. have the same. Ooh, yes. I like it. Which we realize we didn't do for our whole group and probably puts us at a disadvantage, but we're just willing to accept it for the for the sport of it. So next year. Next year we'll do like we'll all get on soon. We'll do and it. Do like right. a do like a real draft. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. for that. If I could just make a new name and start over and cheat, because I'm so unhappy with what I did. Oh, you have yours? What do you mean? Oh, you have yours ready. Okay. I'm gonna make some up. Oh, you, oh, okay. Well. All right. That's what I did. Yeah, I can tell you that I know none of these movies. Well, I, I know two or three. I have lots of thoughts now. I've watched. I watched like probably fifteen. I watched some trailers. Trailers today. You know, I probably should have done like some research, and I did not. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have a coin to flip. So I'm just gonna point a number at Ivan, and you are gonna pick number one or number two, not knowing which one of us that is. Okay. This. Okay. You pick one. I go first. Okay. So um I oh, how am, convenient. I am drafting. I really did show 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 him the number beforehand. I am drafting Barbie as my number one pick for oh, cost of $25, which was I and I have to say this is a risk because Barbie has already come out. So it's box office points do not count. So I'm banking on it, getting nominated for awards um, and um, winning some of those awards. And I, I do think it's more of a risk than it sounds like. But that, that is my number one pick. I have picked Barbie. It is now. I think that's great. I, I said a very stupid. I said a really stupid rule for myself that I wasn't going to choose anything I couldn't get box office points on. And I hadn't seen Barbie yet. And I think it is going to get nominated for a lot more than I thought. Okay, so for my first pick, I'm going to go with Killers of the Flower Moon because I saw a promo for it on the football game that I'm watching. That's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> That's it. That is a $35 choice. So I saw a trailer for it. I didn't realize it was one of those like De Niro, DiCaprio films. And I was just like, fuck, that's also probably going to do well. The Oscars love those films. Okay. Got money to spend. I'm going Spider Verse. All right, Spider Verse across or Spider Man across the Spider Verse is Ivan's number two pick. My number two pick is The Holdovers, which also costs twenty five dollars. So I I feel like I have spent big. What is The Holdovers? Um, it is. It's about like a prep school 
that is closed over the winter holidays and the holdovers are the people who are like didn't have anywhere to go and there's like a really grumpy mean teacher and it looks very touching it it looks like it looks like some awards bait to me i feel like it's gonna I feel like it's gonna be awards baity um my third choice is rustin oh okay is that wait did you have that one as a no. choice okay I don't have any. <laughs> You're just <laughs> literally making it. <laughs> just doing it by feel. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be upset by what you take or don't take. <laughs> I'm just just eliminating it. So Rustin is um about the community activist who planned the march on Washington, right? Uh, and he was also a gay man, so he's uh gone down. Like I read about him with my daughter when we were reading Young People's History of No, what was it? The young people's version of queer history of the United States. Um, and so just, and it, it looks, uh, I think Michelle and Barack Obama are involved with the project somehow. It, it looks like a good take on this historic plan. So that's, that's my number three pick. Fuzzy. All right. I am going to go. So far, nobody has picked anything I have picked. So oh, okay. Okay. But I made poor choices. So I'm going to go with air. Okay. Uh, that was my the most surprising. I watched a bunch of trailers and I did not think I would want to see air um, just based on the fact that like, I don't know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And I was like, yeah, this is probably not my jam. But I watched the trailer. And I was like, I would watch that. That looks good. So uh, it's, it's the Nike story. Yeah, are you? So Ivan's just doing vibes and what he has seen on football. Yes. Are you, Michelle, choosing, are you playing to win? Are you doing things you also like and want to do well? What's your... It, it was kind of a combo. It was like, I don't want to pick it if I if I think I'm going to hate it, but I also am trying to be strategic about things that I think are actually going to earn some points. Okay. Because, yeah, there were ones... I have one I chose just because I think I'm going to love it, but I did choose some I actively hate because I think they're going to do well. So we have a lot of different strategies here. We'll have to see how yeah. it plays out. Has Grant submitted his? He has not yet. And I am tempted because I did so poorly. I am tempted to ask him, like, can I can I do what I would have really done if I had thought about it and see how that plays out? What's our team name, by the way? Uh the real surrealist. Okay. Oh. I'm I'm bad at this. Is it my it's not my turn? No, nope, it's right my next pick. pick. It is Bo is afraid um, for a whopping five dollars. That's Less than I would have thought that would be. Don't even know what it is. I hope it's good. It's probably also partially because it can't earn box office. Although I don't know if that's really a box office kind of film. Yeah. So. Yeah. Probably not even Oscars, right? But maybe some of those smaller. Yeah, like awards. Some indie awards. Yeah. I have no idea. Am I wrong that that's the new Ari Aster film? I don't know. I didn't have notes on that one. Yeah, that's Ari Aster. That's who did Hereditary and... Um, oh, look at that. I love Hereditary. That's I one do. of his favorite movies. Yeah. I did not. Because you just knew it. vibes. Vibes, vibes, are, vibes, vibes are leading vibes. you the right way. Vibes are vibing. Did you, you figure out how much money you have left? Uh, yes, I've spent 65. So okay. that's, that's Ari Aster saying he's doing a, a comedy. But people are, are classifying it as a horror movie still. So is it like a horror comedy or... I, I they don't just disagree. <laughs> I think they just disagree. Okay. It's your pick again, right? No, you're up. Oh, I don't understand how this works. That doesn't matter. Okay. I think we're just winging it at this okay. point. Right. 
It also, if you're just picking on your vibes, I doubt we're going to have very many that overlap. Uh, my fourth pick is Faux. Just don't pick one I want. Turn out. Michael J. Fox movie. That one might, that one has some potential, especially since like documentaries, you know, there's whole categories for documentaries. So it could get some nominations. I was trying to find a documentary that I wanted to put in there and I didn't. So I, yeah, I think that, that might be a smart choice. Um, so you are still, sorry, marking it down. That was your fifth choice? Uh, should be six. One, two, three, four. Oh, five. Okay. We can count to eight. So impressive. My fifth choice mm -hmm. is Bottoms, which I was a little torn about because it is already out. But um, I think I think it has a little like surprise potential. It, it didn't cost very much. So it's back to you. Uh, I'll let it be. Okay. <laughs> Let's go with All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt. Doesn't that sound like something that'll be good? That sounds stuff? so Oscar-y, right? All done. Oh, all right. All right. I had eliminated that one as an option, and I will tell you why. Uh, that was your number six pick? It was. So I went through and looked at all of the ones that had no known release date yep. and eliminated them from my list because I'm worried about the writer's strike. It'll come out. It'll come out. He's so confident. The vibes, vibes are in place. Vibes. Okay. I know Dune will not come out, but that one will. Um, my number six pick is Cat Person, which I think is the quirkiest choice mm -hmm. on my list. Interesting. It was only one dollar. Ivan's leaving. I don't know what's happening. We're doing impromptu research. Oh, he's doing research on he's the fly. Working out. Call it. Trust the process. So it's like real fantasy would be on the clock. Oh yeah, like when he does his drafts. I think we. I think we should do it like real, real next year. We'll For real, ready. like very serious. Yeah. Can have the mics in front of us. Yeah. I can't remember all of mine. And I'm like, do they send you an, I don't think I got an email. Like, I'm like, where do they show you what you chose? So you're just going to have to just blindly find out what your points are as it, as it goes down. We're going to Napoleon. Like, do they keep track for you? <gasps> that's you the first Napoleon? one that I, I have, have chosen. I've got it. So that's your number seven? Yep. One more. I I picked I'm, that I one. $97. You were at 97 so you can pick up to the $3 one? Yep. I can't find Napoleon on the list. How much did it cost? 25 Oh wow! Oh, you pay high. Is, okay, okay. I am like also picking it. Expensive oh. one I got. It was number seven for you. I'm also picking a fairly pricey one, a fifteen dollar one for my number seven pick, Anatomy of a Fall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, other things. All right, we're down to the final two. Oh boy, people aren't really going to theaters. Those box office numbers are. Well, you can't take my choice because you don't have enough money. So, oh, well, I was about to say, <laughs> well, what is it? But no, I got you. Um, let's do, <laughs> let's do Little Richard. I am everything. Little Richard. I am everything. It's Ivan's number eight pick. My number eight pick is Next Goal Wins, which is the Taika Waititi movie. Um, this, this is where I said Ted Lasso steering me wrong <laughs> because I chose that one because I'm like everyone loves Ted Lasso and that's like soccer right so there's going to be good feelings and who doesn't love Taika Waititi 
and it already premiered and it's just not getting any of the buzz I thought well, it would. Apparently it was made like five years ago and then was shelved for several years. Oh. And then um, Army Hammer, who got into all that hot water, oh, he was in yeah. it. So they reshot to replace him. So it, it this one I picked mainly because I just love Taika Waititi. So um, yeah, the I'll only let you guys movie get back Army podcasting. It was fun. Okay. Thank you, <laughs> Ivan. <laughs> Okay, research. Let's try this. I am so sorry. Um, uh, I don't know. I feel like I should should start with apologies. It's not a good start. But um, my research lately has definitely turned into a slightly looked into. It hasn't really been like, oh, here's something I'm actually working on. It's just been like, um, here's a song. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I think I am. I realized that pattern. And I've seen that I am currently caterpillar soup when it comes to my own research, like my but academic you research. You need to be caterpillar work, soup. Like my job, job. Yeah, I mean that's that. For those of you who don't yeah. understand that reference, um, get out. No, for those no, yeah. no, <laughs> we're not going to explain it. Shame on you. No, uh, no, you you should. It's a, it's one of my favorite things. When, yeah. when caterpillars, um, it's not cocoons. Chris put themselves chrysalis. in a chrysalis. They turn into like i don't know what i thought we've talked about this before we don't know what we thought happened but uh we found out that they actually are completely liquefied and then like come back out of that as a butterfly so it's like the you've got to have the process of being goo before you can transform into something new and i think that's yeah. absolutely true for research you've got to just let it simmer absolutely. and be a mess and be like this isn't going to turn into anything what am i doing with my life and then it all just comes together so yeah you can't you can't bring caterpillar yeah. soup to a podcast because it just doesn't so you have to go find yeah. little you have little to have projects. yeah you gotta have caterpillar soup times in your research yeah and i just i mean i I have two books coming out next year like it's fine but it's what's so like you said you can't bring caterpillar soup to a podcast it also is hard to bring caterpillar soup to a new job yeah <laughs> I just arrived on campus like, oh, right? what are like, you working on you're like <laughs> this is what keeps happening all these lovely people keep going so what do you work on and and I'm like YouTube because I was sad. Nuclear ghosts were all dead anyway. Uh art? Now time art? Now time feminist art? Um I do. I end up going ghosts, nuclear ghosts in YouTube, and there's just no through line that I can find. Um <laughs> I think your go, project oh. should be taking pictures of people's faces when you say that to them and then like creating Probably. a like wall of those responses. I should, yeah. To be fair, I do have an article coming out about in a journal issue called Nuclear Ghosts where I do argue that we are all already dead, but I had a fever when I pitched that and when I wrote it. So the same fever? No, that was when I was getting fevers like every month. I think it was like a post-COVID thing, if you remember. I was like, look, I have a fever of 107. Is oh that yeah, cool? you were yeah. And then I got a and then I got a nosebleed while we were doing this. Oh podcast. yeah. Right at that point, I wrote an article about how we're all dead. Don't you want to read that? I do want to read that. Apocalyptica magazine soon. So um I got to present on that in Heidelberg. It was so fun. Actually, I love it. And that's actually um 
I think my actual research program right now is I just had to find a better way of getting away with phrasing it. I think my actual research program is whatever the hell I want to do. Because why not? If I Ooh, can get away with it. You should just like speak <laughs> speaking of like the, the entry songs that the the baseball players had and the wrestlers have. So you should carry around with you since it's a nineties throwback, I think it should be a Walkman, all queued up. Or like a boom box that you carry all queued up Ooh. and it should be Beyonce's song where it's like I'm a grown woman. I can do whatever I want. That's what you should yeah. just play whenever anybody asks you. And then you should so just So what walk do away. you do? <laughs> Click. I'm a grown woman. Do whatever I want. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I just, we were talking about this. I just guest lectured on the aesthetics of the Barbie movie for like two hours. And I have that article coming out. I, I'm even doing, I mentioned this to you, archival research, which I never get to do. And I'm stoked, but it's not technically for my academic work. No, you don't know where it's going to lead. That's true. That's true. And I do for that. I have some juicy stuff that I'm going to bring to the podcast. I'm just not quite ready it's in it. caterpillar, it's caterpillar soup, soup and in terms of like my academic research program and doing whatever i want i think maybe i am going to achieve that i just got an article accepted i haven't written it yet it's always so fun right when you're like i want to do this and it gets accepted and then they're like oh it. yeah do that and you're like oh did i want to i'm really? like really really but i'm turning it more and more into a challenge about like what how oh, absurd can i get me? something yeah yes yes um this article is called that i just got accepted and i have to write by november daddy horse fashion what is daddy horse fashion daddy horse fashion um daddy horse fashion separated by commas daddy horse fashion is an article for oh i'm sorry that i'm talking and talking and talking um i in australia the way they they there's a lot of analytics and how you're rated for your research and the biggest academic journal in my field of contemporary art is called art journal an art journal, because art historians, like, in certain ways, soak and they never cite each other. The analytics work by how often things get cited. And no one cites art history. You just write it and move on about your day. And so this journal that would, like, anyone would be lucky to be published in within art history is very low ranked. And so even if I did, like, this huge achievement and got published in it, it would not matter in terms of, like, my job advancement. But... There was a call put out for men's fashion journal, which ranks three places higher than art journal. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I, I want to write about what I want to write about. So I put in a thing for daddy horse fashion to men's art journal. And I get to do it about masculinity and performance. And it's primarily about, um, there's an artist named Michael Zavros, who's an Australian artist. And I got to see his show at Quagoma when like the first week I arrived in Australia and it's amazing and I love his work and I'm very excited to write about it mixed a little bit with that ad where Adam Driver turns into a horse in the ocean um and this was before I saw Barbie because I'm like what is it with masculinity and horses Horses, yeah. and then in Barbie it was all horses so I'm probably going to talk a lot about Barbie and the horses and Barbie and men and horses but also with like it's about men's fashion did you you see the the um this might not be as related as I think it is until when I say it out loud. If you're like, no, Michelle, that's not it. That's fine. Um, but did you see the 
it's been everywhere. Like the how often do men think about ancient Rome all the time? Michelle! Oh my god, I forgot that that was going to be my pop culture thing, but it was so visual. I love that. Oh, I love this trend. I screenshot every example of it I see. Because, yeah, there was the New York Times article about, like, men think about ancient Rome constantly. <laughs> like, and there's like so an average many good of four times a day or something. <laughs> like, what? Yes. Um, they're like, yeah, in any mixed gender group, bring up the fall of Rome and watch what happens. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I'm glad you mentioned it because I wanted to bring that in. And I just was like, no, we're going to talk about the Macarena. <laughs> Um, because it's so visual. I was like, well, what am I going to do? No, exactly. Exactly. Right. And and I think that's also like Barbie being such a good parody of masculinity. And why do I love jackass movies so much? I just, again, to bring up Joss, we were talking the other day about an artist named Chris Burden that I really love. And Joss was just like, you just can't help it, do you? You just really love, you like cis men, don't you? <laughs> like, Arr! And I think- the Barbie movie parodies masculinity so well in kind of this way that in a very different way, Promising Young Woman talks about masculinity. If a man is going to be in those movies as an actor, he's probably not ever going to be in some horrible scandal, I think. I think he's probably a good guy, whatever that means. Like, because you have to really understand what it is masculinity is and be able to take the piss out of it and be very confident in yourself to be in those films, I think. And the Barbie, the Ken's in the Barbie movie were so good. At so that. good. Every Fantastic. little nuanced like, thing they were doing was so perfect. Oh, Michael Sarah like fought for that role to be Alan. I learned. And he and, did it so well. Oh, I'm Ken's buddy. All his clothes fit me. Well, and did oh. you see? There was an interview with him that was about how, like, how hard it was for him to be in Hollywood with the ideas of, like, toxic masculinity because, but he he rose to fame in that era when, like, the Seth Rogen comedies were all just really, like, haha, aren't you dumb? And isn't that funny? And, like, and so he was talking about how hard it was for him to, to find himself in all of that and that playing the role in Barbie really let him feel like he was exploring things on his own terms and that he felt like you could tell yeah you could tell he was he was good in that and he hasn't done anything but my feeling about michael Sarah for the past few years has been like i don't want to see your face and that was kind of also his role in that so i love him now because that was the thing everyone's like go away alan we don't want to see you um straight women who know how to parody masculinity and i think that's very interesting and they because you love it, but you also recognize so the problems. And yeah, recognize yeah. the problems. It's an interesting position. Yeah. And I, I mean, think maybe that's what straight women have to offer the world right now. You can just parody masculinity. And I think that parodying masculinity is important for protecting, especially the boys who are going to become men from those toxicities. Like I think that it that's yeah. not just a that's not just a release valve for. Uh, women and non-binary yeah. people who have been like the victims of the patriarchy it is a way to protect everyone from those toxicities yeah yeah anyway none of that was my research 
Are you going to do your research or do you want it to be caterpillar I soup? Because I, 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 I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm gonna, I, you could just I'm save gonna your. do it so fast. I'm Okay. gonna do it so Okay. fast. I'm not All right. gonna actually get into it. It's so dumb. I just want to just I just want to do like a nod to how embarrassing it was gonna be. Well, that'll make And me I'm glad feel better because I mine's talked not great. and talked So. and talked. Um, so yeah, my research is caterpillar soup and learning how within the realm of academia to just do whatever I want, which is a real privilege to like especially right now in the world to have a job that is that does feel safe and secure enough that I can kind of dick around with my research but I am doing research outputs anyway um my stupid stupid research was I for some reason I don't know where I saw it I learned that um and maybe this is can be I was going to sell it as a nod to the UAW and Unifor being on strike, which, yeah, good. I'm happy about that. Well, I'm not happy they have to be on strike, but I'm glad that, like, the strike NGM is happening and, and there's, there's solidarity. it's three, right? It's So this has nothing to do with that, though. I was just going to sell it under that banner. I learned that the first U.S. gas station was in St. Louis. Oh. We've talked about St. Louis. I'm like, oh, that's, it's interesting. And, like, Yeah, because it's, interesting. it's in the middle And then of you the move country. on. You would think they would need Yeah. them before then. Yeah, okay. Elsewhere. And so I wanted to learn... why that was maybe a history about gas stations that could be interesting like when i did it about roller coasters and shit, it was so interesting i learned a lot um that did not happen because then i learned that it was actually the first purpose-built curbside gas station not the first gas station and then i had to go through this all stupid history about like what does that distinction mean like what's the first refillable tank and what was the first gasoline pump and what was the first actual gas station versus drive-in gas station and why do we make these distinctions that i didn't care i didn't care at all it was so boring um the But first I think. one ever was in germany and then like the first actual curb side one was in st louis and it was in like 1900 um Oh, that's early. 1907 so it had to be connected to the world's fair kind of stuff Yeah, right because yeah. we forget that like there was a moment where st louis was kind of one of the major cities It was no, it of was the u.s it, it was one of the biggest and most important metropolises and then we ruined it all with racism. yep yep um exactly so That was in 1907. So I think it had to have been an offshoot of that kind of power time. And, but it was a huge problem because they took up so much space on the street and it was just curbside. And then in Pittsburgh, they made the first ever drive up one. Oh, it was not interesting. And I couldn't find like why it was in St. Louis. Really every article I opened, no matter how legit it looked was one of those Just the proliferation of them drives me crazy. Those ghost AI, ghost written AI. Yes, You they're and everywhere I have both, now. we've both done ghostwriting. We both kind of know what those looked like, but the proliferation of them now that are terrible and clearly AI written to where it just doesn't say anything. It just answers the question you asked perfectly by repeating that question to you 10 different ways and you feel like you're going in insane. And then Um, you're like, well, and where did, because this information is clearly just being regurgitated from yes. somewhere else that asked it. So what what is the How story? did that Yeah, center it's, question yeah. arrive? And I couldn't find it because there were like, I went through 10 pages and there were just 10 pages of these ghostwritten things. Um, so then I was going to do a whole thing about like St. Louis gas stations, because I will say the Herculaneum quick trip, when I started undergrad, 
my very first art history class was a postmodern architecture class that I should not have been allowed into. I hadn't taken any of the prereqs, um, but thank you to Dr. Yonan because he let me in and I loved it. But on the syllabus was a picture of the Herculaneum quick trip because it was such an important postmodernist building. And I was going to go, we had an article on it. I was going to go read that article, but I'm sick and I'm not going into the office. So I wasn't, I couldn't do it. And I can remember the article from when I went to school in 2003, 20 fucking years ago. God, um, so sorry, everyone that I don't remember an article I read 20 years ago in college. Um, but I do have it still. That class was so influential on me. I still have the whole syllabus and reading packet. So I will update you on that. But I just got into a whole thing about then quick trip i'm like well maybe i can sell this through quick trip and i read about like a lawsuit quick trip was involved in about fixed gas prices none of it was interesting it was all stupid um to me but this is making me think about how like there's a crisis in science research because good science scientists try to reproduce results and make sure they are reproducible but that's not exciting for publication so the funding for that isn't and so like I I think that I mean because it's not like you didn't spend time trying to research your research thing it just didn't lead you anywhere particularly interesting to you and but that's still research right like you have to figure out the things that so I think you've done you've done a great job of I think your research thing is really the nature of research I think it is a meta research thing Oh, thank you for saving that. My research is a little research. <laughs> I've yeah, my... performatively researched for everybody. Mine's not. So okay. I, I'm sorry, everybody. Mine's not over. great. Um, so I have not had a lot of spare time lately. Um, and I don't know if I ever will again. <laughs> I, I hug. I'm gonna give you a hug. No, thank Me you. Me and my wrestlers are hugging. Oh, with their little chaps. <laughs> um and it's all good things. Like I like, I like all the things I'm doing in my life. There's just a lot of them. And so I was like, what am I going to do for research? And one of the things as I was, I, since I homeschool, when I drive my kids around, I also put on educational podcasts because we're always, you know, cramming in as much knowledge into the day as we can. And we were listening to old episodes of Wow in the World, which is a podcast about science for kids. It's a fantastic podcast. They take actual like scientific discoveries from current journal publications and then make them fun for kids to listen to. And so um, this one, nice. I was from like 2018, 2017, I think it was. And so I am reading from science.org, true altruism seen in chimpanzees giving clues to evolution of human cooperation. And so there were two separate studies that were done around the same time um, that were about whether or not chimpanzees can express true altruism um and i was just kind of interested in i'm like well how can you know what they're thinking and like uh, my understanding of altruism was not the same as the scientific one so i found this article from the national aquarium that has a really good definition of this evolutionary biologists and what they mean when they say altruism so evolutionary biologists is a quote from that article determined that an animal's behaviors are altruistic when they benefit other individuals even to the potential detriment of themselves species with complex social structures like bees ants and termites provide great examples of biological altruism because a lot of them like the only member of the colony is the queen that gets to reproduce so they spend their life in service to the queen to reproduce and normally in evolutionary biology the animal's goal is to spread their own reproduction so to to sacrifice 
your own ability to reproduce in order to um, help another member to reproduce would be altruistic, um, which is interesting. But I, it kind of threw me off of it because that's just, I guess, from a philosophical standpoint, that's not what I necessarily think of when I think of altruism. Like I'm thinking of, are you doing something without motives to get something in return, which right. are related concepts, obviously, but not exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so this research, one of the studies was coming from um, the Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology in Germany. They trained six chimps to play a sharing game. And so there was a chimp named Ty who they, she's a female chimp and she was the, the main like catalyst for what was going on. Um, she would be given an option to pull four ropes and the first rope would give just her a banana pellet. The second rope would give the subject that she could see on the other side of, I think some glass, a banana pellet. If she pulled the third rope, they would each get one pellet or she could pull the fourth rope, which would make no pellets drop, but the other chimpanzee, which again, she can see, would get to pull a rope and make a choice for themselves. And so what oh. the other chimpanzees, <laughs> I love how they put this because they're like, what the other chimpanzees didn't know, so they, in secret, had trained Ty to always choose the last option. So oh. he always gave up her turn to the other chimp, but the other chimp somehow, and, and they don't give details. I'm like, yeah, how did the other how chimp know? know? That, that chimp knows that there but were the other choices. other four choices were, but I mean, they must because yeah. that is, so I didn't read, I again, I did not go and read the actual publication in the journal. I'm reading the summary from science.org, but so they, maybe they go into those details in the actual one for how they understood that there were those other choices. I trust that they did in some way. I believe that, you know, the other chimpanzees were aware that Ty could have chosen to only feed herself, um, but instead gave them the choice. And so over dozens of trials, after Ty had given up her turn, the six partners on the other side would reward both themselves and Ty with a treat 75% of the time. Um, and they were there's a trick to it. The The choice was between pulling a rope on the other side. The choice was between pulling one rope that gave them each a little bit of banana pellets or pulling one rope that gave the monkey that wasn't Thai more. Oh. So they, yeah, so they um, chose to share rather than, um, you know, most of the time, 75% of the time, they chose to share rather than to take it all for themselves. Um, and so... Yeah, I think that that is interesting. And then there was another study that came out around the same time, oh, was published in the same day, about male chimps that go on patrol missions in, where are we looking at? Uganda. So they were studying almost 4,000 male chimps in Uganda. There was data that had been collected over 20 years. And the researchers saw that um, some chimps would go on these patrol missions, even though there was no punishment for not being a patrolling chimp, even if they did not have any genetic, like, offspring within the group. So they were still putting themselves at risk to patrol the perimeter to keep the group safe even if there wasn't their own babies or potential babies to protect within the group. I, I it, This led me to lots of questions about like, the, yeah. that, I mean, I guess I'm just was never meant to be an evolutionary biologist because I'm like, well, how do they know it's not their baby? And how did like, or, and how do they know that they might never have a baby? And I like, it just, right. 
I'm just very interested in this limited How definition. How do they know there aren't repercussions to not do it? How can they be sure of that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I cannot separate altruism from motive. And, um, I feel like there's just some very clean cuts in the way that it's talked about in this particular field that I can't wrap my brain around. Like, I'm like, well, you don't know what someone's thinking, which is really interesting because my interest in altruism has always been in the, there's the philosophical question of whether or not altruism exists in that, um, if we always think that whatever we're doing, that is a good action is going to get us some kind of reward and there's even an argument that just feeling good is a reward so like even if you even if you don't gain any personal benefit in terms of like a monetary reward or a social reward that just like the dopamine or or i don't know if it's dopamine or serotonin whatever chemical boost you get from having done something nice is itself a reward so can yeah, you say you're ever doing something without a reward? There's an episode. There's like an episode of Friends where like Phoebe gets in this argument with someone that like she tries to go and do, do something truly selfless and it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just so I guess that is my research thing. I was going to dig deeper into the like philosophical does altruism exist? And then I was like, that's not going to go anywhere. They haven't been able to answer that question. I'm not going to be able to answer it on my limited resources tonight. I think I'm done. So they're not the I'm week done. for it. I was not going to read the Motor Fuel Marketing Act in section 416.615 to learn what Quick Trip has done wrong. I just know that when I land from wherever I am in the world in St. Louis, I go to Quick Trip, I get a hot dog and a Diet Mountain Dew with cherry syrup. That's, and that's all you need sometimes. That's all you need sometimes. That's all I need. Okay. So. So, recap. Recap wrap. Okay. Recap wrap. For my weird thing, I talked about how the Macarena is following me around. I talked about how in the early 90s we sent jellyfish to space. For my pop culture thing, I talked about wrestling. For mine, I talked about age hams and how you can send postcards and pigs to friends. Enemies. and we did we did <laughs> and we did our i think you would only send that to enemies you want to turn into friends it's i agree i would be delighted to get one even if it was the gasoline monkey one so much so um much. yes so my research was caterpillar soup my research was the process of research and it was supposed to be about gas stations i guess my research was altruism and animals and how ultimately I didn't feel particularly fulfilled by where we're at on that. My gosh, jellyfish on the on jellyfish in space. It's one of my favorite things. I just wrote an underlined jellyfish. I don't take real notes. I just take like, you know, doodly doodle notes. So they very rarely mean anything. Like this is what my notes look like. But I did write jellyfish hate life on earth. And underlined it. And I look forward to three weeks from now. I forget what that meant. Like, what? All right. Well. Okay. So. Clearly, we we have a 90s vibe early on. That was was definitely a thing. We have some, yeah, early, early aughts, 90s nostalgia. I do think there's something with, like, the Gen Alpha millennial thing, maybe. Taste shifts, maybe. Um, 
Because Macarena fits with that. Wrestling fits with that, right? That wrestling is something that when we were young, we liked. It's still in the air. Well, in part, he wrote mythologies. Do I have mythologies on my shelf? No, it's in my office. But mythologies, that's right, 70s? That book's from the 70s? Um, And like you said, ancient Greece. So wrestling's always been around. But I feel like we can get something more than just like yeah this is the first one that i felt like really stumped on in a while like we've been we've been wrapping these up like pretty quickly and this one is i'm not i don't i don't feel the like thread yet yeah well i thought this might happen i thought this might be a difficult week for us because i was having difficulty and then i was relieved to hear that you are having difficulty and so i did i'm like i'm I'm not (laughs) i'm not functioning in all cylinders this week and i enjoyed rereading roland bart's essay wrestling from mythologies and i did pull another quote that i threw down for this part in case maybe this could help us in the mud we're spinning our tires and this can be some uh gravel throw it in there give us some traction he said Thus, the function of the wrestler is not to win. It is to go exactly through the motions which are expected of him. Oh, that fits your caterpillar soup so well. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think also then fits my altruism and animals. Because I'm kind of like, yeah, you you all aren't done yet. Like, you you need to, like, I don't know, go. It's something that you can't fit into a study. And yet they're going through the steps of a study. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like. It's really pushing the limits of what we can say, even though they're doing the motions. And the poor little jellyfish sent into space, like nobody, nobody wins. Not to so win. Can, yeah, not to, not to win. No, oh, so if they do like it in space, then they hate it on Earth. They're ruined. And if they hate it in space, then that sucks. Then they, they spent, they were, bo- yeah. Can, can you read the whole quote again? I'm going to type, because I want to try to see if I can okay. find a particular phrase. Um. Because I also wonder how this fits into the Macarena and pigs. Oh, you were talking about how, I'll read it again in a second, but for the, the ham stamps, how he, they were there, uh, they were competing again. And they're and like, he was like, why are you competing Why are you again? competing again? You, you won. Like, go do your thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the motions of what are expected. Thus, the function of the wrestler is not to win. It is to go and exactly the motions are expected of him so can can the fortune cookie just be go exactly through the motions comma yes yes i can't actually i can't put a comma i feel like that is that is uh no all lowercase yeah all lowercase no punctuation go exactly through the motions yes okay yes go exactly through the motions so much which are expected of him yes okay okay <laughs> yes okay yes <laughs> go exactly through the motions which are expected of him so much it has to be yeah. you right of which you're expected of you so much yeah you y-o-o-h yep. oh my gosh yep. i forgot about that oh no <laughs> So, okay, yes, go exactly through the motions that are expected of you so much. Yes. That's the that's it, right? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> How did 
it? Oh, oh, coming in clutch. Thank you, Roland Barthes. Thank you. What can't you be good for? <laughs> yes. I am so glad. When I was pulling that quote, I'm like, maybe, maybe we'll be helpful. And yes. there it was. So much. So much. I love it. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. There we go. <sighs> cool. Saved. Good. Because I don't know what else we would have done with gasoline monkeys and jellyfish in space. Macarena. We're going to go through motions. the motions as expected. Oh, yeah. The motions of the Macarena and the kids yes. are doing it even when the meat. Oh, this fits so well. Yeah. We did sweet. Fits so yeah. well. Oh, best, best yet. This might be my favorite. And we get to use home bird. Okay. So, Michelle. <sighs> episode 50 we just have a party we've talked about that right that we, we, <laughs> we just have a party record. and just stick a microphone and be like, and we're, like oh. we're just yeah How's that going? welcome to our party okay. we had it days ago but here you are <laughs> yep we'll have something if you have any ideas let us know if not shame on you <laughs> shame on you <laughs> we come up with ideas every fortnight every fortnight we go through the motions. We're expected of us so much. So much. <laughs> because, yeah. Um, but we do it for ourselves so much. This is not for any. We have said it once before. We're saying it again. This is not for anybody else but us. And I love it. And I always feel so much better after we record It is. This. I, I'm always <sighs> like, oh, God. Like, especially tonight when I didn't have a good amount of research. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of like like not dreading but just like disappointed in myself but I'm leaving feeling so good (laughs) me too me too I just yes exactly I I yeah well great I hope I hope everyone listening is feeling that same way I hope you got the same lift and if you didn't we're we're... just go through the motions that are expected of you so much yeah just do it okay Okay, yes goodbye bye They love Tony Larusa. Other teams they know he'll cook your gusa. He wins pennants, it's his business. Soon another flag will be flying in St. Louis with Ozzy and Willie. I say the red birds are going to the series. The birds are in first and they're gonna win the pennant. Tony is the guy that is gonna help him win it. He squeezes out the wins like an automatic juicer. Tony Larusa. So what's up with all these Italian guys this year? Larusa, Gaieri, Pagnazzi, Gallego. Oh, let go of my guy. I'm not trying to deduce you. Tell you about the outfield. The other teams they can't afford them. Ron Ganton, Ray Langford, playing in deep with Brian Jordan. The birds are in first and they're gonna win the pennant. Tony is the guy that is gonna help them win it. He squeezes out the wins like an automatic juicer. Tony Larusa. I was in the bullpen with one of the Bennis brothers. Ole! I'm not sure which one, but he showed me his big off move from the stretch. I am not trying to deduce you. And he was so fine.
kids are in first and they're gonna win a pennant. Tony is the guy that is gonna help them win it. He squeezes out the wins like an automatic juicer. Tony La Russa.